passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw, another week here at Post Wrestling. John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John, what's going on? I'm admiring these new graphics. They look, uh, they look very, uh, very neat. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, just a bit of a, you know, updated, uh, look on the YouTube here. Always looking to refresh slightly. Um, and, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think in the chat room. All right, so admire all the fine work uh, done here by by Wei Ting in his uh, his off hours. What are your off hours like? What are what are your your calming hours of the day? Um, definitely like from maybe like I would say three thirty to like you know whenever like three thirty a.m. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I usually try to you know I have to put the baby to sleep after immediately after recording this. Or I have to feed him and put him to sleep. And then I have usually have a bit of time. And then if he doesn't wake back up, um, if he wakes back up again, I, I'd feed him again. But otherwise, I if, if his mom wakes up, I, I pass him off to his mom. And But that that stretches sort of like my my calm time. And I'm very much a night person anyway, so it, it's not that bad. Wow. Okay. Well, it's yeah. interesting to see how, how your uh, how your body clock is adjusting, what your, your peak hours are, your off hours. again if anything like i feel like i'm more in my natural sort of body clock like with this it's it's super weird but um it's it's working out okay i was up uh, sunday morning at uh 5 a.m that was that was the start of my day not by choice but by uh you sleep when what was the question what time do you sleep usually um, that particular night I went to sleep. I knew I had to get up early. I didn't know it was going to be that early. So I went to sleep around 1230, 1245. And then, uh, 5am, um, my daughter was ready for the day to begin and I was on duty to get up. So mm. go downstairs, pitch black outside. It's like complete, it's the middle of the night. It's essentially at, at five in the morning. I was mm-hmm. like, what are we doing here? And she's just like, put on the wiggles. Put on oh, the wiggles. Wow. It's like, okay, well, my headphones are going on because I'm not listening to the wiggles, but you knock <laughs> yourself out. And she watched the wiggles at five in the morning. So, so, so like, I mean, Max has already been through his wiggles phase. So is he like over it or is he joining in as well? Yeah. I thought, I thought we'd only have to go through this once, but yeah. she is deep into the wiggles. So I'm just braving through another generation of the wiggles. But is he like, oh, that's baby stuff. You know, I don't have time for that. 
he will tolerate it. Um, I don't think it's his, it's not his choice, but he, he is good about sharing the, the television at times. Oh, that's adorable. Okay. So, so there you go. That is what's happening. What is happening this weekend, uh, this past weekend, folks, we had, we had a couple tremendous shows out, including yeah. the debut of, you know, we had the three faces of Foley. We have <laughs> the three states of Chris Ely, folks. If you met Moderna Chris, well, like like meeting Ezekiel to Elias, we met Mimosa Chris over this past weekend on the NWA podcast. Mimosa Chris is something else, honestly. I mean, you know, Chris Ely is always fantastic, but Mimosa Chris comes out, I, I think, typically when the lights flicker, you know, like the, the, there's like a red light all of a sudden in the uh, NWA podcast uh, uh, stream yard. And that's how, you know, the the demon erupts. The demon comes out and you got Mimosa Chris in, in the midst of some of the worst technical issues that, you know, any any podcast on the Post Network has had to endure throughout this broadcast. But the guys made it through. Shout out to Andrew Thompson, who I thought did a great job holding it down and as well as, as Nate Milton trying to, you know, keep up with everything. But um, in spite of all that, I thought they delivered a fantastic two and a half hour conversation about just the entire month in pro wrestling. If you want to see... Uh, sheer determination. Oh. It was these three that were yeah. not going to let anything stop them from completing this show. They had their topics. They were going to get to all their topics. Um, it was a. Uh, it was quite the uh, undertaking by the three of them, but still a, a great conversation. To be quite honest, I listened to like the audio version, and it's like it's. Uh, it was probably a lot more glaring watching it when someone would disappear, but. The audio, like you could tell when someone like was was uh, dipping out, but it was not like they had like everything just everyone freezes and they don't know what to do. It's just like they just kept going, and it was a uh, it was still an enjoyable listen. From the, yeah, the- yeah, there was a little bit of you know touching up here and there, but like for the most part, I I didn't do a whole lot, and and those guys did a great job of just you know running the ship. So do check that out, whether in video form or audio form, right now in the post wrestling feed. Yes. And of course, we have uh, WrestleNomics out on Sunday chatting about uh, a lot of interesting topics, including uh, Amazon's first set of numbers for their Thursday night football package, how it could relate to professional wrestling down the road, Logan Paul's involvement, celebrities at large and their role in professional wrestling in the current uh, modern age. And then we have Post Pro Res Sunday night, myself and WH Park going through uh, the New Japan card, the Burning Spirit show they held in Kobe on Sunday. Kaito Kiyomiya winning the GHC championship stardom. We chatted all Japan's 50th anniversary. So a big catch up on all things Japanese wrestling. So that is up. And Tuesday, we are going to be dropping this month's ask away mailbag show. The thread is open at forum.postwrestling.com. And you have until Tuesday evening to submit your questions for this month. We will get to all of them. All subjects. Welcome uh, forum.postwrestling.com. And that will be out for cafe members only on Tuesday night. That is correct. Yeah, actually, uh, live, uh, if you're a Double Double Plus, um, Double Double Ice Cap or a special patron of the Patreon, you can actually check that out live tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're actually going to make that one live for all the YouTube members as well. So if you sign up here at video.postwrestling.com, which is our new URL for our YouTube memberships, uh, you can get live access to Ask Away as well or just wait for the archive. That is a members-only video uh, exclusive to YouTube members as well as the Patreon, of course video.postwrestling.com that has such a nice ring to it yeah it's not it's okay right yeah it's it's good i like it i agree all right so that's coming up this week uh other shows to look forward to all the regular shows we'll have mcu later out on thursday rewind to smackdown back to its normal time and the long and winding royal road this weekend with wh and uh gareth from grapple 
They are going to be chatting a January 1989 match involving the British Bulldogs fresh off their WWF run against Dean and Joe Malenko. I know. I heard the all for, the Joe. forgotten Malenko brother, Joe. Uh, WH was raving about Joe Malenko on the on post pro res. So I mean, I, I look forward to you know hearing him and Gra- Gareth uh, talk at length about the the forgotten Malenko. All right, so check out all of that. The schedule's up postwrestling.com along with all of the latest news, and we'll tackle a couple of topics before we get to tonight's Raw from Edmonton, Alberta. And I want to start off discussing uh, Buddy Matthews because you know we saw on Rampage last week him and Brody King losing to Sting and Darby Allen. And shortly after that, it was Fightful reporting that that was sort of designed to write off Buddy Matthews for the time being off of television. Um, this was uh, further um, a topic of discussion after a house show, um, an independent show in Rhode Island over the weekend, where Buddy Matthews gave a very similar speech that we heard from Malachi Black not all that long ago, that he is going to have to um, take some time away, recalibrate, and... Um, Figure some things out and adding this is not goodbye. This is see you later. So that has led to a lot of speculation about what the future is with Buddy Matthews in regards to AEW. He is under contract there. And the Wrestling Observer site has reported that it looks like he does want out of the company. But as of right now, there is no uh, confirmation of such a release being granted. But certainly this him and Malachi Black, you have these big question marks next to them. And um all Buddy Matthews has really said he he sent out a gif uh, of Elaine Bennis with the comment "fake" on it, which I I, I always find these uh, the, the the vague responses to this. It's like you you can uh, give your if something is inaccurate, you can certainly put it forward. But when you just kind of leave something like that, it's like you're you're only fanning uh, tons of speculation. But that that all aside, obviously there is a uh, Issues going on with with Buddy Matthews, and it's an interesting discussion of AEW side of things of how you handle something like this when you have a performer under contract and and ultimately what what Buddy Matthews wants if he in fact wants out of the company. Like, what is the role of the promoter in in this case where you do you do have a deal and what are the options on the table? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it continues. <laughs> We're looking at the what, a, what are we doing? To... What are we talking about here? <laughs> this is modern communication, John. This is, we use, this is the level of sophistication on uh, <laughs> these figures and what they are willing to speak about their professional status with a company. Social media is really reduced, I think, to you know the, the lowest common um, reference from uh, our pop culture. But um, it, it continues a string of, I, I would say, um, negative press for PR uh, for, for AEW that I think they've really ca- combated really well with the string of really great shows on TV. But nonetheless, like the internal strife within the company is still, um, I think leaves some questions and the continued, you know, it's, it, it wasn't that long a year ago when it felt like every single talent um, that, that felt slighted by, you know, their booking in the WWE wanted in on AEW. And now we're starting to see at least, you know, rumors of people wanting out. Um, it's I, I think it's it seems like there's at least to me on the surface slightly different cases where like from what I've heard about the Malachi Black situation that seemed to be more like personal issue based. Yeah, I'm he, not he so- put out that pretty lengthy statement and yeah, um, alluded to a lot of uh, personal issues that he has dealt with as well. 
I don't think we've had as much like I- information about Buddy Matthews' case. You know, Dave Dave is is, is, is under the impression that both are doing it as a way to get back into the WWE. And I, you know, this this fake GIF from Buddy Matthews could as, as much be maybe a reference to some of those as as uh, anything, but we don't really know for sure. Um, but we can obviously. Uh, I think contractually, like we, these both of them, to, to your knowledge, John, um, are they signed to full time deals? Malachi, I think we. Yeah, we I mean, was. I mean, but Tony Khan flat out noted like the length of Malachi Black's deal was something like five years, and I mean, Buddy Matthews like came in in, in February, so it's like these are these are not like per appearance guys by any stretch. So it's it, like that's kind of what you're looking at this and. Listen, I, I, I've in the past looked at it that especially when it comes to the, the WWE deals, like here are contracts where you can sign for X amount of years. You're not guaranteed those amount of years. And yet a performer doesn't get the same ability to exit a contract like the company does. The company just has to give you 90 days notice and it doesn't matter if you've signed a five-year deal. And they got out of plenty of deals that had lots more term left on them. So it's it's like a promise of like, hey, we'll try and give you five years, but we're not obligated to. So when we've seen performers held to their deals in WWE, it's it's very much one-sided. Now, AEW, it's it's a bit of a different case because they they have not gone that route when it comes to, um, you know, they have let contracts run their course and then they have made a decision on whether they're going to resign them or not with the very, very few exceptions that are are in there. Like Jimmy Havoc comes to mind. Um, so you, you have to look at it that way. And if you are AEW, I mean, you can look at it as, OK, do we want someone that is that doesn't want to be here um does that do does that do our locker room any good to have people that are not here um with, with all due respect like they will move on if a buddy matthews mo- moves on um but at the same time like you've invested in this guy i wouldn't say he's in a top role but i wouldn't say he's in a nothing role like he's the house of black has had a you know a a good level of promotion i would say with, with it within the company probably not at their they still to me could be utilized a bit better, but certainly could have been used a lot worse. So um, that's to be uh, interpreted by, by the performer, how, how he views his, his treatment in the company. But at the same time, are you just going to send this message that if people want out and they want to go off to WWE? Are you setting a precedent that how can you turn down the next guy when you're, you're letting these people go, for instance? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, th- uh, thank you, Greg, for Mark Greg Sputnik for becoming our latest member here in the post wrestling uh, memberships. Um, but just kind of getting back to your point, I-, I find the discourse at the moment pretty interesting because we've been through this sort of conversation, but on the other end with, you know, talents like a Dustin Rhodes or, um, Mustafa Ali, you know, wanting their releases from the WWE for, uh, I think, you know, what they would determine, um, creative. Some, some getting them and most not though. Yeah. I'm most curious to see like what the public discourse is, you know, because I think moves like this affect AEW and the WWE um, in, in ways of like, you know, positive or negative PR on on the one hand, you don't want to see, be seen as somebody who, if you're not utilizing somebody like a buddy Matthews, um, you don't want to be seen as somebody simply hoarding talent and grounding them because, you know, um, you just don't want them to join the competition. But on the other hand, these are businesses. And if you sign a contract that lasts this long, you should be abiding by the length of the contract. Um, so, 
you know, given that the sides are kind of different, is the public going to react any differently now that this is talent going from AEW to the WWE? Um, ultimately, I, I think if you're Tony Khan, um, yes, a Buddy Matthews isn't going to make a huge difference. But I think you also don't want to set the precedent of, you know, your talents just wanting, like, if they want to leave, you let them leave. You have to negotiate, I think, amicable terms that um, are fair um, business-wise for every party involved. Um, and maybe that means, you know, um, I, I have no idea what it means. I don't even know what his contract looks like, so I don't even want to begin to speculate there. But I don't think it's it's very cut and dry. You know, just let him go or or keep him. You know, no, no, it's um, you know, it's 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 an interesting. It's always going to be case by case as well. Like, do you feel okay? Number one, is this is this someone that more so is this um a negative sentiment towards AEW or is this simply the fact that WWE is where he wants to be? And maybe it's somewhere in between every case is going to be different. I would say number one is you're, you're trying to find an amicable solution, but I would say if it's at this point where, you know, last week was kind of designed to at least uh, remove him from television for the time being there, they've at least reached a point where um, I, I guess that that is not something that is going to be remedied easily. But um who is to say that they cannot come to some kind of agreement where they they end up coming back, they change circumstances that you know makes makes this more appealing for them? But it's it's certainly a a new and the latest uh, issue that that Tony Khan has to address. And I think the more you know, they just had all of the 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 appointments of their kind of talent relations staff, but that to me is you know it's. So much of this, it's like we are always focused on Tony Khan, and there's obviously the positives of having that that one person that you know where the buck stops with. At the same time, is like you want to have those um, other people that that you can lean on that are have experience in talent relations and dealing with with, with talents of you know many different backgrounds and many different experiences in the industry. That there's just continually a lot on Tony Khan's plate. And I would imagine this month has been a sizable amount that he is like many, many fires that it seems that he is putting out and probably ones that we are not aware of as well. And pain, pain in the chat room informing us that Brody King himself uh, tweeted out a gif of Leonardo DiCaprio saying, I'm not leaving. So I'm not fucking leaving. I should correct that. So he's sticking around. It looks like uh, what Julie Hart as members of the house of black. That is it. The House of Black remains. Uh, let's talk about uh, ratings from Friday. These were uh, some very notable numbers. We'll start with SmackDown doing 2,535,000 viewers, the number one program on television Friday night and up 15% from the week prior. 0. 0.63 in 18 to 49, which is up 25% from last week. Um, but what really, uh, this was a show that was boosted by its male viewership. Uh, men 18 to 49 were up 37%. Um, 18 to 34 was up 52%. This was their highest 18 to 34 number of the year. Um, we had talked a bit about like 18 to 34 and certain um, decreases that shows had been seeing. Uh, quite the opposite here for SmackDown this week. And Interesting in looking at uh, Brandon Thurston's quarter hours that he put up that the peak segment was the uh, the crossover segment from 9 to 9.15 p.m. where Braun Strowman took on Otis, uh, peaking with over 2.7 million viewers and 913,000 in 18 to 49, uh, which is kind of interesting because it is the quarter before that people that were kind of intrigued by this 9.23 tease um, 
would have been tuning in if there was um, a spike there. I do think the White Rabbit tease definitely played a factor in all of this, but also interesting to see like that the Strowman Otis uh, segment did so well as it did. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think when you look at the show as a whole, um, and, and what makes this week unique compared to the rest, maybe you look primarily at the White Rabbit stuff. But I just find it so hard to believe that, like, something that is so, like, really not made a whole lot of mention of on screen and that something that takes so much uh, relatively, like, a high amount of detective work for, like, your audience. I'm I'm just, like, it's just hard for me to believe that, like, that can directly translate so well to on-screen ratings. But, I mean, hey, man, what was the CM Punk thing, right? You know, what was, like, so much... I think I think Monday and and maybe this Friday, if it all continues, will be you know continued like um, uh, data to to tell us how exactly well this like white rabbit stuff is transferring from the internet to to TV. Um, but uh, I would say it's still a net positive, and whatever they did, they I'm sure they they're hoping to replicate this week. Yeah, I mean it's just it, it's such a high number that you know, beyond like what was different about this show, like Roman Reigns was back on the show. Uh, you had promoted this tag title match. Um, you know, nothing to me that would suggest a out of the ordinary kind of number. Um, I, I'm with you. Like I looked at the white rabbit stuff is like, it's intriguing, but to me, I never had the sense that it was, uh, truly gripping people that it was going to have this kind of an impact. Um, uh, but certainly you have to look at this number. This was their most watched show since Christmas Day of 2020, which was a show that was greatly enhanced by having an NFL game as a lead in. So you almost have to throw that number out because that was not based on the uh, SmackDown itself. It was all the lead in. So you, you have to go back to March of 2020, like the second week of the empty arena shows when they did a larger audience uh, for for SmackDown. But just a uh, a massive number in 18 to 34 and their male viewership was uh, the, the key uh, this week that kind of boosted everything up. So what do you think happened in Canada? Dip. They fell. They they <laughs> fell from 181,000 to 142,000 viewers. Demo was down to 58,000. So you know what? You you can have your white rabbits. We got the Blue Jays uh, gunning for that wild card spot, and we don't yeah. have time for white rabbits and Otis versus Braun Strowman in Canada. Oh, that's hilarious. Rampage, the Grand Slam edition. Uh, so. The way that Showbuzz Daily reported these is that we got to see the 10 to 11 hour and then 11 till midnight. And as we you know saw last year with Grand Slam and continued this year, uh, the second hour dropped it. You know, 11 till midnight was a, um, you know, it did drag the number down. So the average of the two hours was 522,000 viewers and a 0.17 in 18 to 49. So was their highest audience since uh, August and their highest demo number going back to April. So still, uh, you know, above what Rampage has been doing. And their 18 to 34 audience uh, also seeing a giant increase. Uh, they were up uh, to 70,000 viewers in the demo doing uh, last week, 28,000. So a big increase there. A big jump among males, 18 to 49 as well. So I'd categorize this as a as a good Rampage number, um, fifth on cable. So that's a lot higher than Rampage um, does air most nights. But I will say, like Rampage, it's it's more suited as a one hour show than it is a, a two hour show. Although eleven till midnight, there isn't much doing uh, 
these comparable numbers either. So even though this dragged down the rampage number by cable standards, you know, doing a point one six from 11 p.m. till midnight is still a very strong showing at that particular hour on that night. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see this experiment really ending uh, anytime soon. Anytime they do a grand slam, you know, it's it, I, I don't think um, eight I, I matches like- in one hour. <laughs> on AEW. Well, I mean, if anything, maybe you push it to three. You know, let's let's get to the next day. Why don't we? But um, it's I I I think the 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 buzz of the show probably counteracted with like the the dip that you saw from eleven to twelve. Um, and overall, it seemed like a pretty well received you know two hours. And and it seems like there were a lot of people watching pro wrestling on Friday. Overall. Overall, yeah, this was like it was a big number for SmackDown. It was one of Rampage's best numbers in a long time as well. And both saw, you know, big increases in their 18 to 34 audience. So it, it tells you like young males were interested in these shows on on, on Friday night. Uh, added to Wednesday's Dynamite, we already had the announcement that John Moxley will take on Juice Robinson in a title eliminator match. And now Chris Jericho will defend the ROH championship for the first time against former ROH champion Bandito. Wow, interesting. The okay. match, I don't know if anyone expected in 2022 to be happening on national television. Uh, well, Chris Jericho and the letters ROH, I don't think anybody really expected to, to be paired together as well. So, Is Jericho going to take the 21-plex? Um, I, well, I don't think he's losing. Um, I think the, they might attempt it. God, that'll be interesting. I mean, it continues this incredible run of Chris Jericho's, you know, is having him match, match up against like the top high flyers of, of, of the modern era. So I'm very curious to see. And obviously it'll end with him some doing some sort of ch- dishonorable cheating we can expect, but still, I think the content of the match is, um, is going to be a continued showcase potentially for 51 year old Chris Jericho. Um, what does this mean for, for Bandito? Like, do you think he sticks around after this? He's a free agent, so I mean, he to me would be high on my list of people that I would be looking at for sure. Like, it's it's a massive match for. Bandito. But are you looking at any more people if you're Tony Khan in AEW? You know, that's always been the still the argument, right? When a Ray Phoenix isn't in really in a prominent role, do you still got bring in a Bandito? Well, I mean, they're they're putting him in a very prime spot, and I, I would say like Bandito's going to come out and try to have the match of his life with Chris Jericho. So I think there's going to be a lot of buzz for Bandito if he has a really strong performance, and maybe maybe this is going to start Jericho's march to just beat all the available ROH champions. Ooh, I like that. That takes him to Samoa Joe. Okay, he could uh, yeah, he could invite like Gresham back. Yeah, he could um, beat Roosh PCO. Um, PCO, I'm sure would would be happy to do it. Um, you know, you've 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 already done Danielson. Um, Punk might not be around. Um, Lethal can, Daniels. I mean, there's there's a lot of former ROH champions. I think yeah, could be a little gimmick for for Jericho, the greatest ROH champion of all time. I love it. That can be his tagline. This coming weekend, uh, New Japan will be holding its Royal Quest 2 shows from Crystal Palace in London, England. And uh, they put out the full lineups uh, for the shows, which you can go see up on the website. But uh, essentially, some of the, the main elements, the first night will have Will Ospreay against Shota Umino and FTR defending the IWGP tag titles against Ozzy Open. Uh, these shows are also going to see the return of uh, Gabriel Kidd, uh, who's been off since June uh, and hasn't wrestled for New Japan since the beginning of the year. 
The second night, we'll have Tetsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. That was set up at Burning Spirit on Sunday with the winner challenging Will Ospreay for the U.S. title. Uh, it's also going to have Jonah against Tomohiro Ishii. And this <laughs> this 10-man tag, FTR, Gabriel Kidd, Shota Umino, and Ricky Knight Jr. against Will Ospreay, Great Ocon, Ozzy Open, and Gideon Gray, which should be spectacular. Um, the cards look very strong together. You have uh, the Young Guns are going to be part uh, of the shows as well. Now, the news that we had reported earlier today is that uh, Fight TV is not carrying these shows, and New Japan, they are just listing that they are going to air on demand in October. So hopefully they'll be able to turn these around in a in a reasonable amount of time uh, because these are definitely cards I think people want to see, and there are stakes attached to them, especially with the Naito Zack Sabre Jr. match. So uh, we will see when they how fast they can turn them around. Hopefully, like within a week, they can get these up on New Japan World. But I don't know what the uh, what the ETA is on these on these cards showing up because you know uh, an event happens to me. It's I always say it's such a small window of buzz that a show has, and then there's a dozen other shows and matches that happen, and you sort of just get lost by the wayside if if these aren't showing up immediately for people. And I'm sure the crowds are going to be fantastic these two nights. Do you think it's it's strictly a production thing? That I, I think it has to be because if you remember the last Royal Quest show back before the pandemic, uh, it was an awesome show. But the streaming, I remember watching that live. It was the same day as a NXT UK takeover and the streaming issues were brutal uh, for this. So I'm imagining that they're just that that would be my guess is just it's like an issue like with the venue or their own belief of what they can pull off. But it, in this day and age, I just don't know if that cuts it with your your fan base that. Outside of PWG, like what major shows are happening that you can't watch live in in some capacity? Like they're few and far between. And these are shows that, um, you know, if you're a New Japan World subscriber, even like I'm sure there would be people willing to buy these on Fight TV if that was the only option. But this is these are the two rare options uh, or two rare instances where uh, you won't be able to stream them live. Uh, they, uh, New Japan did make uh, some other announcements as well. Uh, Declaration of Power is going to be happening uh, the following week on October the 10th, and they have added three matches. Uh, we're going to get uh, Ren Narita's homecoming. He's been on excursion for like three years, so his homecoming match will take place on that. A non-title match between Taiji Ishimori and Kushida, and the latest King of Pro Wrestling match will be a who's your daddy match between Shingo Takagi and El Fantasmo, which personally I would love to have seen Edge introduce this tonight with Finn Balor. But instead of saying I quit, the loser will have to proclaim the winner his daddy. Really? <laughs> Way I only yeah. add these to the news, these KLPW matches for your reaction and your interest level. Uh, if a who's your daddy match uh, grabs your interest, I don't feel it's enough. But so, it was, so, so it is simply just a, like a an, an I quit match. Somebody has to grab the microphone. It, it's a regular match, and the loser has to then get on the microphone and say that you're my daddy. I see. Okay, in English or Japanese. That's a great question. Uh, they have not deciphered. <laughs> Maybe Chris Charlton is going to have to translate. I mean, for the for the. I mean, logically, you think El Fantasma loses this, but for per- personally, I would love Shingo Takagi to have to be put in this position to have to announce this man as his daddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it of all the things that are that somebody can do with the King of Pro Wrestling Championship, this you know. I would say gift and a curse of a, of a device for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, the fact that they chose this is um uh, is something else 
Yeah, that card also has uh, Okada versus Jonah in a rematch from the G1 and Tamatonga challenging uh, Jay White for the IWGP heavyweight title. And the last news item is that October 30th, that is Noah's next major card, and it's going to be airing on Abima, and the Keiji Muto farewell tour will continue. And this is going to see uh, Keiji Muto uh, teaming up with Naomichi Marafuji and Yoshiki Unamura to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, and Tomoaki Honma. I think we all know why Honma is going to be part of this. Um, but yes, New Japan mm. sending Tanahashi for the farewell tour. I think it's kind of cool. You know, it's getting some really good buzz. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those events. If, if it is believed to be a, a legitimate retirement that, you know, I, I think is enough to attract the attention of the entire pro wrestling world. You know, it's not every day somebody with such a long tenured career announces his retirement. So it brings up people from seemingly all, all, uh, promotions around the world joining yeah. it. Sting is going there in January, mm-hmm. so you'll get one more match involving Muto and Sting in some incarnation. We'll see what that uh, that is made up. That's the Yokohama Arena show in January. But yeah, I, I think that the by, by the time this thing ends, I think that final match is going to be a really big deal. And I don't think this is one that the public will take too kindly if Muto ever uh, – Muto should absolutely retire. Like he should not be coming back after this. And I think there would be great I, – I, I can't say – grave disappointment but i i feel like this you do a year uh you know almost a nine month farewell tour you kind of have to say farewell at the end of it although today mm-hmm. what did rick flair announce he said i will never retire so well, i did not see it but um well, there you have that it. that one's not not as much of a surprise all right uh to hear more about uh, the latest goings on in noah you can check out uh post pro res uh, with myself and wh park all of the news up at postwrestling.com and tonight, Raw was in Edmonton, Alberta, their second sh- uh, Raw in Canada over the past month, and another giant attendance that they had. I believe uh, 12,500, uh, give or take, um, huge attendance. And they had some they had some of the shots just looking over the whole arena. I mean, this place looked packed in Edmonton on, on Monday night. Uh, uh, when was the last time they went to Edmonton for a TV? I think the last TV they had there was over 10 years ago. Wow. Okay. So they've been very starved in Edmonton for TV. They get house shows, but not not TV. So I mean, you know, two, uh, and they had the Montreal one not all that long ago. So the the Canadian mm-hmm. TVs have been very strong uh, over the last little while. Uh, main event featured uh, Mustafa Ali beating Akira Tozawa and r Truth over Shelton Benjamin. So that's uh that's the latest that's going on there. They're still doing the the twenty four seven deal on the house shows. They did it in Vancouver over the weekend. But not not a cent of this title existing on television, and that's fine. I think you <laughs> you keep it on the house shows. Maybe you give it the main event. Um, maybe the occasional cameo if you have a celebrity. But beyond that, I, I think you you can see it's probably one of those things like a Veer um, <laughs> that Triple H is choosing to edit out of his version of Raw. Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss started off the show. It was Asuka's birthday on on Monday. A lot of birthdays. Yeah, there were a lot of birthdays going on. It was Buddy Matthews' yeah. birthday today. No way, really? Yes, yes. And Damien Priest, maybe they're all hanging out. Maybe, maybe we have not seen his birth certificate, and Wikipedia has his birthday wrong, and he set out that gif. <laughs> fake, fake, fake. That could be it. <laughs> Like it literally could be anything because that's what a vague tweet is. It could be, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about the story. I was talking about uh, my birthday. So anyway, um, 
Belair says how it took both Dakota Kai and Io Sky to help Bailey beat Bliss last week. Damage control comes out, and Bailey cuts a promo stating that Belair was handpicked and trained to be a champion, but Bailey groomed and trained herself. She wanted to do this since she was 12 years old while Belair was chosen. Belair says, nothing has been handed to, to me, and I've been here showing up and showing out. What have you been doing? Rehabbing? Getting hurt? You weakling? And Bailey mentions how I came back and pinned you for the first time in 300 days. So anything you accomplished over the last year was only because I wasn't here. And Bel Air pulls out her, her, her notebook of, uh, of dates and reminds her, wait a minute. I headlined WrestleMania last year when you were around and then we had a feud. Do you remember that? And I KOD'd you on top of a ladder at Hell in a Cell. It blew my mind to hear, uh, you know, uh, a reference to anything beyond uh, two weeks ago on this show. So Bailey just dismisses that the past is the past. And she issues a challenge to Bel Air for a ladder match at extreme rules. And Bel Air accepts, and she's going to get extreme with EO sky tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed the uh, verbal exchange between the two. It felt like a bit more substantial than your usual pro wrestling trash talk with Bailey trying to discredit Bianca's accomplishments in Bianca, May, being scripted to disprove every single point that Bailey had with some facts. And I thought B- Bianca came out of it looking pretty good and, you know, continue to give you like uh, this sort of semblance of like these, this faction warfare between the two and gave you in this case, good historical justification for this particular stipulation for extreme rules. They showed Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn arriving uh, for their match there. One thing about this show is that going in, uh, outside of the Omos squash, we knew all the matches in advance, and mm-hmm. um, and they all happened. So, anyway. They're changes. trying to change here, yeah. It's it's wild what the bar is. They, they announced things, and they delivered them. And yeah. we knew what was happening on the three-hour show we were tuning into. So, Bianca Belair versus Io Sky. Um, First of many long matches on this show because it was pretty much five long matches and Omos. That was raw. Um, Belair is overpowering her at the beginning. They went through a pair of commercial breaks. Uh, she goes for the KOD, but Sky avoids it, holding on to the rope. And then there's a top rope Frankensteiner attempt that is stopped by Belair. And then Sky scales back up with an arm drag, taking her down, double knees in the corner. Bailey then shoves her and uh, Bailey and Kai uh, come from the top. There's a Pescado onto Bailey and Kai, and then a handspring by Sky. Belair sidesteps it, lifting her up for the KOD and pinning EO in 18 minutes and eight seconds. Yeah, long match. Um, but I mean, at least I think the, the matchups are always like strong on paper, and I felt. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's a reminder for me, though, to like remember that this is an NXT EO. Meaning, like, I think the power differential is 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 noticeable. Whereas, like, if this match had occurred then in NXT or like a direct translation of NXT Io Shirai, I think it would have been um, maybe you know built up a little bit longer. Uh, whereas in this case, it really just kind of felt like Io was you know the the obstacle for uh, Bianca to get over before getting to Bailey. But the match itself, I thought, was a really good TV match. They went a long length, but I thought they managed to captivate for the entire duration. And it ended up being a strong showcase for Bianca. Yeah, uh, the focus was Bianca. Like she took mm-hmm. a lot of the match, but you know it, it was a fine match that they had. Uh, no complaints about it. And you are building to the bigger match with, with Bailey, so that was sort of just get her um, a notable win here over Io Sky. And Kevin Patrick notes the momentum. 
that Belair has going into Extreme Rules. And then he welcomes in Rey Mysterio in his Bret Hart shirt. And Rey says, Kevin, you're a father. There's no feeling like holding a newborn and supporting them no matter what path they go down. I will not fight my son. But last week when he had that chair, I had to ask myself, what happened to the kid that I raised? And I know that deep down, that's not Dominic. He's being manipulated by Rhea Ripley. And I've had my fair share of battles with Seth freaking Rollins, but I'm not going to show any mercy for Seth. Yes, fair share of battles, which is uh, code for the man ripped out my goddamn eye. (laughs) I would not be. I've had my fair share of battles with Seth freaking Rollins. He was very calm for a man that literally ripped his eye out and then vomited after watching my eye roll across as Samoa Joe just quietly noted, it's out. He could have said that. He could have said all that. Um, they, they just didn't have that much TV time. It was very notable that they constantly referred to like their history together, but they were not addressing the eye yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, all that limits. Was, that was a different era. Yeah. Yep. The Miz has his team of security, the Miz Force, and he's offering them up to a million dollars, a cameo in a future Marine film, and gift cards to be to basically take care of Dexter Loomis tonight. And that would be their task that they would fail miserably in. I quite like the Miz Force, actually. I was kind of disappointed. I'm assuming they were Edmonton's finest here, um, finest uh, indie indie wrestlers, but they always pick, like, the geekiest-looking guys, and, like, if you're chosen for one of these, I don't know if you look at it as, like, you know, like like um, like a badge of honor or or not, because... Um, hey, even MJF had to start off while making... True. Uh, ...working security. You're right. But I thought I thought the Miz was actually pretty funny here, introducing all the little prizes, including gift cards that are going to be accepted at most department stores and a pre-owned vehicle, even. Yeah, gift cards are just. Have you ever read about like the the stats about how some of these companies, like the amount they make yeah. of gift cards that never get properly redeemed? Oh yeah, absolutely. What it's a, quite the quite the gimmick. Whoever came up with that one. It's so, hard to even keep track. Like we were given a lot of gift cards actually, like with with the baby, and so. It's so easy to lose track. Like we had to make a spreadsheet to just like make sure, oh, we have this much left in this, you know? Oh, I have a stack literally of cards and Get God cards. knows how much money is on them. Yeah, it's just oh, it's just silly. And now like some of them, they can expire. It's like, how does that work? How can money expire? This is money oh, on fair. a card. It it should be illegal for it should a, a gift card to expire. It should really grow. I mean, come on. It should, it should grow with inflation, I think. Yeah, you know, they, should they should be, be selling bonds. They should be paying. I should be getting interest on these cards. Yes. The opposite. Rollins comes out for his match. He says this should be for the U.S. title, but Riddle cost him. He's going to finish it at the fight pit because Seth has a Einstein level acumen for the fight game and di- didn't have an Einstein level acumen for that fiend program. But beyond that, I mean, I guess he has a good track. That was before, before he was freaking, though. That's right. He says that Riddle will be flat on his back by the end of Extreme Rules, and I will be the king of the fight pit. And he gave he's going to give Ray a beating that he's too much of a coward to give to his own son. That's quite the insult. You're too much of a coward to beat up your son. <laughs> That's kind of the story. I guess so. Uh, Seth Rollins and Ray Mysterio. 18 minutes that they go here. Um, so the first commercial sees uh, Dominic walk out 
And this is where the QR code flashes on the screen. And mm-hmm. way did you did you dive deep into this this video? I, I spent way too much time trying to figure all, all this stuff out. It uh, this is becoming a bit of a distraction for me. Very much so. Like we got to interrupt these like you know match reviews. I'm already late starting these shows as it is, and then I got to deep dive into all of this. But I think we got most of the the the, the Easter eggs that that populated this particular uh, episode. Um, so. This is a QR code that led to another video, of course, this week. And the video um, basically flashed a collage of former WWE wrestlers and clips from WWE uh, collaging the words, who killed the world, and then another collage spelling out feed your head. And at the end, it flashed a number, 40701, which some people interpreted as an, a zip code. And this is when the Googling begins. You know, uh, Googling Z- 40701 takes you to Corbin, Kentucky. And one of the first results seems to be a hotel called Baymont by Wyndham Corbin. I mean, that, that could be uh, one of the things. There's also a White Rabbit Records that is located in Corbin, Kentucky. There are also coordinates that are uh, shown along the bottom of the screen in this video, and they direct us to the location of Giant Pink Rabbit, which is a very weird man-made landmark in Italian mount uh, in in an Italian mountain, essentially. Actually, I'll I'll even bring it up here on on the screen. What about um, uh, April seventh, two thousand one? What, what would that mean? April seventh, two thousand one. Um, yeah, Saturday. you know what? You got to look that up. I don't have the time to to do that right a, now on air. It was a Saturday. Oh, <laughs> wow! Damn, who's the supernatural one here? Anyway, so so it directs us to this very freaky looking giant pink rabbit. I think the the freakiest thing though, and I'm not freaked out by the fact that like somebody actually like, or I'm not by, freaked out by the fact that WWE or Wyndham Rotunda themselves de- devised this. I'm freaked out by the person who decided to look up the HTML source code of said video. And they were able to uncover the words that were hidden inside this source code. No this, man- this level of discussion, sorry, but you describing this is where I, I I can't fathom this many people spiking the SmackDown number that are like yeah. diving into source code. But nonetheless, it, there is a hidden message in the source code that reads, no man is ever truly good. No man is ever truly evil. And of course, uh, res- wrestling fans were quick to. Uh, realize that these are also the first words of Alistair Black's WWE theme song. So um, they're very cleverly throwing in little teases out there. I don't think just trying to throw people off. Yeah. I don't think for a second it's Alistair Black, but I think it's somebody that's very clever trying to, you know, play with the internet discourse, which this entire thing is very much geared towards, you know, this along with, I would even go as far as to say like Michael Cole throwing in little references to like independent wrestling promotions here and there. I think we're seeing a very clear directive of trying to win back the internet audience, you know, that Hunter at one time had with NXT and lost to AEW. Um, All this stuff I think is working really well. I mean, look at it, you know, like we're all on a goose chase throughout these shows, despite the fact that I think I still think it's incredibly clear that it's like Bray Wyatt. We love being dragged along and we love being teased. Ultimately, what did you really get here? You know, you got like a Malachi Black, Aleister Black, sort of like misdirect. Um, But beyond that, we we all know, at at least to me, like who's ultimately coming back. And but it's fun. It's just fun. 
Yeah, I guess the question would be how long you can run this through. I mean, if if you assign this concept as having a you know, a, a factor in, in Friday's number, it would tell you like this is certainly leading to buzz and you don't need to be digging in to all these layers. It's, hey, Bray Wyatt might show up and that's kind of your your base level interest for some people to tune in and see if this happens. I guess you just continue to, can, you keep doing these teases is, are people just going to get a little tired until the, the payoff comes? Like how, how long you can keep dragging this out and if we're just talking sending about- people from show to show. <laughs> If we're talking about like a Lacey Evans level type of uh, dragging out or a Veer Mahan is coming to raw level of dragging out. Yeah, eventually right. people will get will get tired. Something tells me that they're a lot more careful. At least I hope they're a lot more careful than this. You know, like I could see somebody like like a uh, uh, brave returning at a Survivor Series, for instance. And can, do they have enough like momentum to keep it up for that long? I think yes. You know, I'm not sensing people getting tired of it just yet. Um, here, somebody also wanted to mention just because other people you know, wanted to know if you go to the white rabbit records, which is of course based in Corbin, Kentucky, if you go to their YouTube page, you see this code zero four zero six two, which I think, um, uh, directs you to some other what four zero six two. I think it takes you to some other, uh, zip code for yeah. Wyndham main M E. So Wyndham Rotunda. Okay. Yeah. So just, just constant references. So they got white rabbit records in on this. Wow. The most, the most views I'm sure white rabbit records has had for anything. So anyway, it's, it's, it's fun. It's like a, you know, it takes me back to like those like early two thousands, like internet goose chase sort of websites. Um, it, it's, it's wildly engaging. And I think a level of depth that you don't typically see in professional wrestling storytelling. I would just love to have pictured someone pitching this to Vince McMahon. And the guy who like thought <laughs> people aren't going to remember out. stuff that happened three weeks ago and tell him about the QR codes and source code and hidden lyrics and source code. Yeah, he um, he's still trying to figure out what a QR code is, I'm sure. So back to the match here. Um, Rollins. Uh, so Dominic is sitting ringside and Rollins uh, fist bumps him. And if you noticed when Seth turned. Dominic looked really angry, but then when Seth looked back, he smiled at him. So that looked that was something very subtle. Uh, Seth goes for the three amigos, and then Ray stops it. This turns into a really good match. Rollins catches him with a buckle bomb and then a falcon arrow, and Ray comes back. And as he's attacking Rollins, the crowd starts chanting, Dom is useless. And Rollins blocks a Rana off the top, goes for the power bomb. It's countered with the snap Rana, which... We saw uh, Chris Jericho uh, execute uh, with, with with Claudio. So uh, on the floor, Dominic has the chair, but tosses it to Ray and dares him to strike on his knees. And Ripley then shoves Ray into the post. And there's a stomp by Rollins and then applies his new submission hold, the Peruvian necktie, and submits Ray in 17 minutes and 56 seconds. I – well, first of all, the match itself, I, I mean, I – I enjoyed the match. Um, it was a really great excuse at the end here with this fight pit build to add a new legitimate submission move to Seth Rollins' repertoire. And I especially love the fact that it was like Jimmy Smith calling it, you know? Like, I'm actually looking forward to Jimmy Smith calling a fight pit match with, you know, a lot of what you would expect to be like shoot fight, jujitsu, MMA elements. Yeah, they should do a segment next week where Rollins goes to like a gym or something. But as. Seth freaking Rollins in like his suit and he's getting yeah. taught like submissions. He's trying to curb stomp everybody in the middle of a jujitsu competition. Yes. 
Uh, but it was a nice match that the, that the two had, and no eyes were lost. So um, no eyes were lost this time. No Peruvian necktie, much more civilized way to win a match. Mm-hmm. Riddle meets with Bobby Lashley in the locker room, and Lashley wishes him good luck against Damian Priest tonight, and says that the two of us we know what it's like to fight inside of a cage. So they did qualify that, unlike last week. It was I thought we were going to get the two of us know how to fight, <laughs> but yeah. he did qualify with Cage. Um, so don't let Seth get out of there, and then warns Riddle, but don't ever get involved with one of my matches ever again. And Riddle stands down and says, "My bad, Bobby." And that was the pep talk from Bobby Lashley. Owens yeah. and Gargano then just were shown walking in the back, and it was the first of many Miz Force members that were shown laid out in the back. Like, this was doom. This particular guard, like, still had his arm up like this as if, like, he just took the arm triangle from Loomis. So that was a bit of a nice touch. Yeah, and then these two just laughed at this guy who could be dead that they just passed by. That's, you know, every other day backstage at Raw. Alpha Academy against Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens. And uh, Alpha Academy come out with American flags and just get so booed by this crowd in Edmonton. And Byron then explains the history of the Panda Express, Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens. Graves responds by saying Byron should be hanging out in Reseda with all of the other dorks. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like at this point, I think you almost get the sense that like somebody in the headset is telling them to make references to pop the Internet. Um, and I think it's working hook, line and sinker. Man, we love we love this stuff. Oh, he talked about Reseda. I know that reference. I was waiting for Graves, dad. I, I work with children at the end of this uh, referring to Byron. <laughs> yeah. So the crowd actually starts singing for Gable at the beginning of this, and then they just want Owens in the ring. So Owens is tagged in. Thunderous response for Owens from the whole time when he comes out and throughout the match. Uh, They got the heat on Owens for a while until Owens was back in. He applies a sharpshooter, which got the easy pop, and Graves says, Scorpion Deathlock. (laughs) That was great. A fantastic line by Corey Graves. And Otis breaks it up and does the suck it. Uh, Gargano then lawn darts Gable and Owens hits the swanton. There's a kick out. American Alpha or Alpha Academy. I always call this team American Alpha. These these two A's. They they throw me off way. Um, Gable stops a pop-up powerbomb and dumps Owens on his neck with a German suplex. And dude, Owens just folded upon impact here. And then... Alpha Academy hits the Steinerizer onto Johnny Gargano, and Owens makes the save. So uh, the Steiner's moves being uh, licensed out uh, across all brands, it looks like. Seems like it. Yeah, why not? I love it. I thought this was an excellent match. Great action, great atmosphere, great reactions for Owens with a really strong table spot. You continue his push here while you continue the Gargano Theory feud, and I thought there was a good chance that Theory would have cost Gargano and Gargano would have taken the pinfall here. I could have seen them book that, but I was glad that that wasn't the case. No. After Owens put Otis through the announcer's desk, Theory shows up to stop Gargano from hitting a super kick and he gets distracted and then Theory misses with a briefcase shot and Gargano super kicks him into the one final beat and pins Gable in 13 minutes and 10 seconds. So it was... um, Owens and Gargano getting the win in Canada, and they are now 1-0 as a tag team. I hope to see the team continue. 
Yeah, they they were a great team together. It's um, they might even call them the Panda Express because like Saxton was like you know making constant references on commentary. AJ Styles is uh, passing by another fallen Miz Force guy, and he's speaking with Kevin Patrick. Finn Balor appears and says that he's his friend, and they could change this business again together. So he offers an olive branch because Sami Zayn is going to back up tonight, and you're going to need backup, but AJ Styles declines the offer and is not going to have anyone in his corner against Sami Zayn. Theory and... Alpha Academy are backstage and Theory's asking what happened. Otis says that he had not been 100% after facing Braun Strowman on SmackDown. So Gable insults Braun, calling him an idiot. And Gargano is not going to embarrass him twice in Canada. And then the phone rings and it's for Gable. And it's Braun Strowman who's watching Raw. And here's this line. I mean, when has this ever happened? where someone says something and then they get called on what they said on television. So Braun announces that next week he's going to face Gable in his hometown of St. Paul, Minnesota, and he's coming to Raw to murder him. And this spooks Gable, and then Fury books a match between Otis and Gargano for next week, as I guess he has matchmaking abilities on the show. Things move fast, you know? Cell reception is fast as well uh, for Braun Strowman. Yeah, there was no delay on Braun Strowman's feed. He's got Fury on speed dial. Yeah, I like the fact that he didn't call Gable. He called Theory. He probably doesn't have Gable's phone number. Yeah, but I guess he has Theory's number. Yeah. Omos took on Joey Gibson and Craig Lester. Um, He murdered one of these guys with a boot on the floor. Splash, tree slams to both, and he won in a minute 35. And then he continues the attack and stacks both men on the desk. And then Omos just roars on top of it. And they push him as the giant of Raw. And MVP during the match, he was asked on commentary about Braun Strowman, and he just moves on. So dare I say that we are building. And maybe Friday SmackDown certainly tells you that putting the monsters in the ring together, if built up, uh, it will attract interest. And Mm-hmm. maybe that's the most benefit you can get out of Omos is building him up for one big match with Braun Strowman that goes a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be like, you know, where, 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 where we're heading to with both of these guys. Um, maybe, maybe that's a Saudi Arabia match. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's possible. I, I wonder how long of a match that could be, you know, five minutes. Yeah. And I, maybe you don't need more than that. You know, just have the two of them like do crazy, like power spots with each other. Um, and then just, you know, have a big kaiju battle between the two of them. But I think it's a decent use of Omos. Um, I, I also wonder, like, is that it for Omos, uh, Omos after this? If he you know? gets soundly beat by Braun Strowman, it kind of reduces him. Like he is no longer the monster in, uh, on the roster. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know how. Like you really have to start to rethink, like just just what you want to get out of this this guy that has now been on the main roster for for two years at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I uh, maybe it's a t- it's the type of match that I'll get both of them over, and and there there will still be life for Omos after this. Maybe they'll work in working into a trilogy or an Iron Man match of some sort in the future. But I thought this was a very entertaining little, you know, handicap squash. Just the man ragdolling these poor Western Canadians. Good intensity. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see what that Braun Strowman match might look like. Miz then finds all of the guys dead and he has a meltdown and he's just standing there. And there is a mysterious Edmonton Oilers figure behind him in a mask, jersey, 
and it's Dexter Loomis. And he takes off the mask and he attacks Miz with the hockey stick and then chokes him out cold. And I mean, this guy just has the most, the straightest of expressions when doing this. And this was totally goofy. But um, it got a pop from the crowd because he was wearing an Edmonton Oilers jersey. No, the fans are chanting, let's go Oilers, uh, at, at the sight of these poor men being choked out. Yeah, Beat with a hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the Bray stuff is, is like catering to like, you know, a, like an audience that is, is – they have to work to kind of figure out what the next part of the story is. This Ms. Loomis stuff is – um, about the level that I would usually expect from Raw, where it's I think about as I don't know um, kid friendly uh, of a of a spooky type of character as you may expect. Um, there might be an audience for it, but it's just to me wildly different from the other thing that they're trying to push. Nikki Ash was in the ring, and all of a sudden, out comes Candice LeRae and gets a, mm-hmm. a big pop coming out and. Uh, it's her first match since July of 2021 and and having her baby back in February, which is like not a crazy long time period to be uh, coming yeah. back. You're telling me like, yeah. you know, th- this this baby would be what? Like, I think February w- was when they had him. So um, seven, seven months, six, seven months old, like to to go through. Like, I'm trying to imagine me like even going out for a jog at six months. OK, and I'd be quite proud of myself. Like this person getting into this sort of shape and coming onto national TV to like you know what looks to be continuing her her career, I mean, man, with your husband too, like with both husband. on the road each week. Yeah, and I think Gargano said that. Oh, okay, I, I was actually training. Like we're, they were training together in the lead up to this, but still, geez, like the travel, like is the baby coming along with them? What a nightmare! I don't even want to go to the mall with with my baby. Are you kidding me? You wouldn't get man. one of those big tour buses and cross the country. Um, you know, if take, that, take a ride to Edmonton. If these YouTube memberships uh, continue to to come in, maybe uh, maybe I'll I'll think about investing in a in a tour bus. But good for her. Like you know, she looks tremendous coming back. Yeah, I mean, it was a very short match. Uh, Nikki Ash got in a few strikes when she caught her in the ring skirt, but then a super kick, backstabber, and the wild ride off the turnbuckle, and she wins in a minute forty three. And I mean, we can just fast forward later. It certainly seemed linking her up with uh, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, and Bianca Belair, and you would think like Damage Control, they find another member, and this is probably could, could be your War Games match potentially. Mm-hmm. And does that mean we're strictly keeping you know the female War Games at least to Raw rather than mixing and matching you know people on SmackDown? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like I, when they announced the War Games, I just I envisioned like having some of your your main players in it, but I envisioned I mean, Sasha and Naomi. It's possible. Like, it's just, it does seem like you do have a foursome now on the babyface side. So, I mean, it does. And were they damage control were games four on four or, or were they five on five? You remember? Uh, they've done five on five. They're all okay. Great. Okay. So, one more. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see Candace in the mix. You know, like, we, the, the show right now needs women who are veterans who can wrestle and you, you you see every combination you've had right now of damage control versus bianca belair asuka and alexa bliss and every combination has been has made for good tv you know good like 18 minute long matches that you could put on tv and you need people at that level rather than you know people that are relatively new and inexperienced the last ones were four on four so okay i mean i mean you're not you're not tied to these these numbers it can be whatever makes sense but four right. on four you at least uh have have that option now hmm. 
Then we had a video package on Logan Paul, and then the Judgment Day is in the back, and Kevin Patrick asks, Damien Priest, are you going to take it easy on your former friend Riddle? And Rhea Ripley rightly called this a dumbass question. And Priest is like, no, he's my former friend. This is my family. And Riddle's, all Riddle is doing is running his brain into the clouds. He thinks he's back in the UFC. Well, let me tell you, you're not a viper, you're not a cage fighter, and you're not my friend anymore. Ouch. You're supposed to be my friend. Yeah. Uh, I thought, like, I, I and I don't know if this has been a really gradual change, but, like, you know, priests here sounded like a real person. And I just remember, like, maybe two months ago when he was still deep in Judgment Day speak. Like, Wait, wait, bo- Damien or priest? <laughs> exactly. Throughout this man's poor entire, like, you know, half year, year plus, was like, he's just felt like, you know, some terrible, uh, someone's, like, terrible idea of what a comic book character should be. And here he actually sounded like a real person. And, yeah, I'm I'm happy I- to see I really like that with Judgment Day, you don't have – like there's weeks that you could – like Rhea's the front person. There's weeks mm-hmm. like Balor feels like the leader. It's like they're, they all have like the three of them. They're interchangeable as the, the front person for the group and kind of Dominic is more so the follower. But he should be the follower. That's the whole story. So I kind he of should- like that. Totally agreed. Yeah. And they each almost, well, more so like Balor seems to have two programs going on, but like, you know, Dominic and Rhea have, have a really strong thing with Rey Mysterio. And I imagine everything will kind of mix together, but Judgment Day is doing really well right now. A, a big turnaround for this group mm-hmm. that was absolutely flailing. And then they ran a promo for the October 10th Raw that's going to be built up as the season premiere of Raw built around a DX 25th anniversary. <laughs> 25 wow dude quarter like, of a century of degeneration x wow yes. do, do you remember on the season premiere of raw in 1997 when dx uh, started they they were honoring uh you know the great acts of uh, 1972 uh yeah i don't know what it is man have we just like has the world just stopped moving since like 1997 is that it uh, in pro wrestling for some people it has not left the attitude era. God, it is, it is, it? is we are still living it like it's just it's crazy to me i just i couldn't i try and imagine myself when i was 13 if so much of the celebration and all yeah. of that it was so focused around a period that i never lived through that i don't have the connection to True, but it's sort of an unfair like comparison because like I equate you know like their their acts like Hogan perhaps like The Rock and Steve Austin and even DX that are like that kind of break through the time barrier and kind of become your company's franchise franchise characters and properties throughout like a Spider Man and and a you know I you know Captain America were invented way back but they they still continue to get refreshed and renewed for ongoing generations. And- but but think about like your. Like us in that age, like Bruno wasn't presented like that. And because Bruno- he wasn't as big of a national, international star as a Hogan or, or a DX even. Uh, it's at the same time, it's like, it's your history. And it's like, they, they did prop up Bruno as that big star later once they had, you know, that relationship with him. But, but you're asking for re-education, whereas much of their audience, if you look at the ratings are still of the age that would have lived through DX. 
Well, what was interesting about this as well is that you did have like the clip of Hunter saying, wasn't there more of us? And the focuses were on X-Pac and Road Dog, as I don't expect that we will be seeing uh, uh, Daddy making his way to Raw. Yeah, I don't think Daddy. Yeah. I don't think there will be any scissoring on uh, next week's reunion. Could you imagine the... <laughs> Where are they? Where are they? You Brooklyn. Know? Brooklyn. It's at the Barclays Center. Interesting. Okay, I'm wondering if the crowd will... We'll scissor for them. Could you imagine after all of this, if they like, they asked for Billy Gunn, like just the, the idea of just making that request. Uh, I could see it. I mean, they're still on relative good terms. Don't you like it? The different, I mean, he did the hall of fame, the different, he did the, didn't he do something else? Or was it just, no, he it was the hall of fame that he did while under AW. I, I think once, once you've had like, uh, your, your, your legal side sending warnings about, uh, yeah, you're right. I take it back interfering with contracted talent. I think at that point there is sort of a line in the sand, but I mean, historically like AEW, like look, forget the hall of fame with Billy Gunn that they allowed to do way back before AEW even started. But, uh, as recently as that John Cena raw, where they let Danielson cut uh, comments, Mark Henry, Big Show, all those A&E documentaries that just aired this past season. There were tons of it. it Billy Gunn was on the DX one. Like, they allowed him to do that. So, I mean, there there has been um, cooperation on the AEW side for certain projects. Um, and they also announced uh, Roman Reigns and the Bloodline for that show uh, coming up in two weeks, uh, which is two nights after Extreme Rules. Sami Zayn with Solo Sokoa against AJ Styles. Another lengthy match. This one going 20 minutes. Um, some of the highlights here included uh, Zayn going for the Orange Crush Powerbomb. That, uh, mm-hmm. uh, going back to some of his, his old maneuvers and getting it's a two-count. Uh, there was a Pele kick by AJ. Both go down. And constantly, AJ went for the Styles Clash, and Zayn was able to avoid it. He eventually hits a... Exploder into the corner and goes for the Haluva kick. Styles rolls out to the floor, gets the calf crusher applied, and then Styles is on the apron and Zane grabs at his hair. So the referee is dealing with Zane, allowing Solo Sokoa to take AJ Uranagi onto the apron, and then Zane hits the Haluva kick and pins AJ in 20 minutes and four seconds. I mean, I thought it was another excellent TV match. These were long matches, yeah, but like look at like on paper like they're really strong combinations here you know it's seth rollins versus like Rey mysterio it's aj styles versus Sami Zayn. um i thought at least in this case it felt fresh it felt like a combination we hadn't seen in really quite some time since since the both of them were on smackdown together um and i thought that you know it was interesting booking like putting Sami Zayn in canada as a heel against aj styles and you almost kind of got to, like I felt there are many moments where this crowd were was very much on on the side of Sami Zayn, and how could you not be like you know in the bloodline he kind of is a bit of a tweener anyway, um, but I mean it was a good match at the end of it, and I think ultimately you gave the the guy sort of like a home country win, um, probably with the expectation that he was going to get cheered anyway, and maybe they so, thought they'd be, it would be a nice last minute boost over the weekend to put Sami Zayn on on the show in Canada. 
Like that might yeah. have been the, the thinking, what it, what it came down to. I would mm-hmm. say by the third hour, like I agree, like the wrestling was very good on this show. I did feel like during the body of the matches, you could certainly see this crowd come down, uh, during, during some of these matches. Like they got into moments, but, um, you know, you, you are feeling it by that, that third hour. And this was a very heavy, uh, in-ring content show, but I, a, a very good match here between Zane and AJ. I might also be like a poor judge because, because I zipped through the commercials and most of the entrances. So. Maybe maybe it's not fair for me to say. So with AJ laying there, the Judgment Day comes out, and Balor says that AJ deserves better and asks him once again to join the group. AJ stands up. He's offered the two sweet, but instead gives Balor the middle finger. So they beat down AJ, put a chair around his neck, but Balor holds up and doesn't break the man's neck. Very kind of him, reminding AJ that I'm your friend. Friends don't do that. Friends don't break each other's vertebrae. So that, that's a good lesson for all people out there. So are we expecting AJ to join in on this Edge Rey Mysterio thing? I thought it was I thought this was the segment that would lead to Edge returning. We would get Edge later in the night, um but not in a tag scenario. So hmm. yeah, you kind of have AJ intertwined into this to be and um yeah, like there's certainly you, you have now like Edge Ray AJ sort of linked in a yeah. in a roundabout way. In a trios against, you know, obviously Finn, you have uh, Priest and, and Dominic on the other side. So maybe we'll start to see those programs and 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 those uh, little matches between the between the few of them. But I like it. It gives everybody a bit of direction and again, like makes Judgment Day feel like a a big deal. Obviously, you have Edge and AJ, you know, who were entangled in a long feud themselves over the summer. Now they have to kind of like you know work out their differences to probably get along. Yeah, and now you have the uh, the handicap of having to acknowledge and remember stuff like that happened two months ago. Well, listen, we're referencing Hell in a Cell from however Last long year. ago. Yeah. Well, we're referencing um, uh, 1972. What, the Panda Express. It's all canon now. Bel Air, Oscar, and Bliss. Oh, this is the segment where Larray uh, comes up. She's big fans of them, and then Damage Control comes in. They have they have words together, and it looks like we're getting Candice and Dakota Kai next week. Mm-hmm. And along with that, Otis and Gargano and Chad Gable against Braun Strowman are announced. Final match: Damian Priest and Matt Riddle. <laughs> My favorite line of the night is Priest beating on Riddle, and then yells, "You're trying to embarrass me on my birthday." And yes, it was Damien Priest's 40th birthday on Monday. Wow, that's a big one. So he, uh, uh, Riddle fights back after the break. Uh, he hits a power bomb in the ring, lands with the knee, and then they get into a big striking battle. Riddle with the counter executes Bro Derek for a two count, and then Rhea distracts Riddle, big lariat from Priest, and then an elevated flatliner. Riddle kicks out of that. South of Heaven is blocked. The RKO gets stopped, and then a flying knee lands on Priest. He calls for the RKO, but Balor gets up on the apron, and the, there is a counter uh, sequence uh, with Riddle using a spladle to cover Damian Priest and cradle him in 19 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, they follow up with an attack on Riddle, and this is where Edge makes his big return after two, three weeks. Uh, he is back. Big pop. He clears the ring, and then he challenges Finn Balor to a Who's Your Daddy match at Extreme Rules. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, you know. Um, uh, I can't wait to see who... <laughs> Who says who's your daddy? Yeah. You're my daddy, Edge. <laughs> Give it to do? me. Yeah. Uh, 
another lovely match I thought on Raw here. You know, with a great finish here, with a very unique cradle coming out of that inverted fireman's carry. Um, as you would expect, I think from two people who were training partners, um, who know each other very well, very physical style and good match to end the show. Uh, a very heavy wrestling, wrestling heavy show. Did he even take it easy on the other? I don't think so. That's a dumb question, John. That's a dumbass. They're not friends. Yeah. Former friends. Yeah, that was raw. I mean, it was like if you're into lots of wrestling, this this show had a lot for you. Big surprise, I guess, with uh, Candice LeRae uh, debuting as well mm-hmm. and uh, keeping that one quiet. And then they had, yeah, the the angle with Edge that you knew was coming. He's been part of the advertising for Extreme Rules. It is interesting to look at this Extreme Rules show. It's it's a Roman Reignsless uh, event, and to me, it's like the main event that feels like they are pushing is Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Um, yeah. And what else we got? Um, the Bailey fight pit. versus Belair. The I quit match, the ladder yeah. match. They have a ton of stipulation matches on this. Yeah. I think the ma- the biggest mainstream name on the show, I suppose you can, you could say is Ronda Rousey. Um, it is for a title. So, but I don't see it ending. I don't see it being a strong enough match to end the show. So, um, even though the marketing might be around Ronda, I, I, I don't necessarily see it being like the show closer. Um, what, what about the men's? What have we got? For Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins in the fight pit. I, I don't know if they would end with the, the pit match. Um, yeah. Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross in a strap match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bianca and Bailey, the ladder match. And Edge and Balor in the I quit match. I guess you could go with Edge and Balor to close the show. That's possible. Is it, Ronda is like the front, front and center on all mm-hmm. the promotional material. Um, and it is the Extreme Rules match. So It's um, possible they might close with it. You know, Maybe yeah. they have a lot like in store. It's going to have yeah. to deliver, I think. Yeah, um, look at all their following. Like we, uh, it's just all stipulations on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also what the third match, technically, in in their sort of um, uh, rivalry. The only um, woman on the planet to beat Ronda Rousey twice. Twice, yeah. So, I think seems like it's a card. Well, what what like what do you think? Like, what, how do you how would you grade the card thus far, John? Shrimbles. Um, I, I think Edge and Balor is going to be excellent. Um. Riddle and Rollins, it will certainly. De- I I feel like they'll do well in the uh the the fight pit, like getting that that concept across. It's you know if you saw the NXT version, it was I I think it got over pretty well, so I'm high on that one. Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross will be an interesting match to see. It's a very important match for for Cross. Mm-hmm. That one's more of a question mark. Belair and Bailey, um. I'm I'm kind of really zoned out of ladder matches at, at this point. I just feel they've. They happen so frequently. It's very hard for me to really, uh, unless you are really reinventing the wheel. And at this point, I don't want to see people up the uh, the risk quotient in a ladder match, especially someone coming back from such a serious knee injury. And now mm-hmm. you're you're in a ladder match. But um, I- I'm sure they'll have a, a very good match together. It, it it'll be a very good card. Like these these cards are being put together with the idea of match quality. And uh, live in Ronda though. That that's hardly a a slam dunk. They've they've had. You know, the the SummerSlam match was a big disappointment. Mm-hmm. I can also see like title change coming out of that match, you know, just because it's, it's been twice or at least it's been already one real significant match where um, Liv beat Ronda. So maybe they, they, they feel like, you know, ending the show with the title change will be big enough for um, this level of show. Um, but yeah, I, hype is certainly, you know, feels more like a B-level show this time around. Okay, let's go to feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. 
And we will also take any super chats if you have them. Yeah, that's right. And let's go to our first super chat of the day. And this comes to us from Maya World, who says, K-Quick beat Groom on Jacked on April the 7th, 2001. 4701. It's the effing truth. There we go. In case you're wondering, John. Case closed. We solved it. Our truth behind all of this. Thank you very much for the support, Maya. We got a, a guy named JJ who sends $10 who says, I'm here for anything with Sami Zayn and the bloodline, and of course for John and Way. All right. Well, you got all of that on this particular review. So thank you for the support. Thank you very much, JJ. Also wanted to give a shout out to Nicholas Castano, our latest YouTube member, <laughs> along with uh, our uh, uh, first member today, Mark Greg Sputnik. Sorry, that also, logo, it, the logo next to the name, it looks like they've been banned. Like that, it looks like a block sign. Oh, really? No, so, it means they're, they're members. Well, there uh, also, shout out to a member in the room right now, Dickie Bird, who I believe is actually in Toronto after having quite the journey from New York through border services um, and now in our great country. You know, no, no one ever says, hey, let me tell you this awesome story about my perfect travel that had no problems. Yeah, it's all it's all great uh, fodder for a podcast. So I would suggest you start one up right now, Dickie Bird, so you can tell it. Let's go to the forum, and we'll start off with her niece from New York City. The Dexter Miz storyline has gone three weeks too long. What exactly is the end game here? Uh, yeah, it was cool to see how he would pop up, but now it's just whatever. I'm I'm thinking like potentially extreme rules. It's like if there was going to be a cinematic match, this is it, or some wacky idea. We haven't really seen cinematic matches since the pandemic. John, like, I mean, like them playing a video that lasts 10 minutes for a live audience. Maybe something in the spirit of it, like just just something like I just can't see this being a straight up match, even with like uh, like what's your stipulation, like a body Mm -hmm. bag match? Like, I I don't even know what this leads to unless it's something really. Well, what's the latest thing that, you know, like Stephanie wants wants the brand to promote, you know, Um, is there another zombie movie coming out? It seems like it would be perfect for that. Maybe Uh, they'll go to a to a SEC game. And they will have a battle over custom-made championship belts uh, from the the different teams. They could do that, right? Yeah, they could. Um, I also feel like the show is like the card is already pretty full, is it not? Like we have five matches at least. Five? Yeah. I mean, these some of these matches are going to get some time. Um, Isn't that usually the the amount you get for a B level show, like in the WWE these days? Uh, They might. They might throw one or two more. more. In there, potentially. Um, I'm not clamoring for it. Like, this feud doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, Then, uh, not the pop WWE was hoping for with Candice. I mean, it wasn't Johnny Gargano level last Mm -hmm. month in Toronto, but it was, was like, uh, I would say a notable reaction that that she got. It wasn't huge. I I would also question, like, where Candice would have, like, received a big reaction. Like, I'm trying to think, you know? Like, where would she have received possibly bigger? Maybe Reseda? I don't know if Raw's going to Reseda <laughs> to the Globe Theater. I thought it was big enough. And more importantly, I felt like it was a move more so, like, you know, just to kind of spike the internet's attention. And and they'll, they'll continue to push her. And I think they'll make her, like, this is essentially her introduction to, you know, a main roster audience. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awkward to have the DX reunion with no Billy Gunn. Will it really? Um, but they did cut him. They did cut him, I guess, out of all the videos they showed to promote it. Nothing makes Corey happier than correcting Jimmy Smith. Okay. Maybe. 
Uh, we go to Muggin, who says Raw minimized the distraction finishes to a considerable extent. Overall, it was another entertaining outing. Beller and Sky was a strong opener. Alpha Academy Owens Gargano was fun. I have no clue what the end game is for Miz and Loomis. Candice LeRae showing up was a pleasant surprise, and I'm very, very happy she's here. Styles Zane's further the Sammy Sakoa Bond and Riddle Priest was a solid main event with a clean finish. Extreme Rules went from having one stipulation match last year to having five. It's like the old man purposefully chose to shy away from it. Triple H embracing the pay-per-views theme proves how much thought he puts into booking. Um, that remains to be seen. It can also be overkill when you do a whole show full, full of them as well. I've heard more people compla- complaining about them, like having too many stipulations on a show like this for no reason. That That is the difference. I think you need reasons for the stipulations. And I think thus far, Fight Pit, you 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 like appropriately built up too. The latter match, at least there was some justification for it. Um, kind of. It was just pick a stipulation. I mean, I, I don't true. know if a ladder really ties everything together, but well, sure. Well, they at least match. referenced the last time she used the ladder in the Hell in a Cell, right? And then, uh, you know, Liv and Ronda, they're at least telling a whole, like, hey, is Liv extreme enough yeah. type yep. of storyline? So I think that's more so what I'm looking for. I and, quit. Drew, and Drew just wants to whip a man. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't love the the theme of the pay per view. Honestly, I never did. Um, but I I more so look at like the process of how we're getting there rather than the whether or not we we have one stipulation or none. The last one goes to Benjamin Belair versus Sky was damn good. Looking forward to Edge and Balor. It feels like they could have a real banger. Rollins poor forehead. Yeah, he uh, he bumped the, his head, got knocked into the steps. So yeah, he was bleeding from the forehead in his match. Candice LeRae couldn't love it enough. If Stephanie and Triple H's era means more talent that deserves a shot to perform and get that chance, then I will continue to love what they're putting on the screen. I'm also all in for the Panda Express. Sammy and Solo are my new favorite power couple. All right, a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of favorable reviews for Solo Sokoa's uh, call up thus far. So there you Same have it. Too, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for the feedback tonight and uh, tuning in live or uh, downloading the show afterward. Tuesday, we've got Ask Away Dropping, the mailbag show. Once again, forum.postwrestling.com. You can post your questions in the thread. All questions are welcome, and we will get to all of them. We will be live at 8 p.m. Eastern for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members along with members at video.postwrestling.com. So all of you can join us live, and the rest of you can catch the show uh, Tuesday night on the Post Wrestling Cafe. We've also got Up Next on Tuesday night, and Andrew Thompson will have an interview with Leon Slater uh, that will be dropping on Tuesday on the on the site. So check out all of that great stuff. And Way, we will be back, uh, not just with Ask Away, but then Dynamite on Wednesday night after Chris Jericho and Bandito go at it for the yeah. ROH Championship. Absolutely. What else? What else is coming up? Moxley and is Moxley and Juice are the, those are the only two matches they've announced. Uh, Soraya, uh, MJF is going to be on the show and a Jericho Championship celebration. So, Soraya, so we got, we got a definitive answer from her. Yes, Soraya, you got to have to get used to that. All right. Well, Way is off. Uh, he's got about uh, five hours to uh, stay up, and then he will be going to sleep right as I'm probably waking up on on Tuesday morning. So that's what uh, that's what I have going on. If, if only people could uh, just see a, a glimpse into our lives uh, between shows. We have the weirdest, like I think, internal body clocks. I'm sure There's, we must be so unhealthy. Well, yeah, you're, you're here for a good time, not for a long time, I guess. So. On that pleasant note, we will say goodbye to everyone and thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Raw.